Glad to see so many of us here at City this morning. And um, I'm excited about what the Lord is doing here at City Church. And I want to encourage you to put feet to your faith every single Sunday morning. What I mean by that, it's not just that you would come here to worship and be part of what we're doing. But as Pastor Keith was up here, he was encouraging people to move towards the sides and to receive prayer through the different prayer teams and life group leaders. We kind of set them up in pairs and they're along these walls for the purpose of praying with you and praying for you. I really want to encourage you to take advantage of that. I know that in my own life, it's been amazing how many times the Lord has met me in the midst of a time of prayer like that where I humbled myself, I confessed my need of Christ and His touch in my life, and I went to someone and asked them to pray with me and to pray for me. So I really want to encourage you, we'll be doing that from here on in during the fourth worship song. And we know that already in the first three weeks, hundreds of people have been prayed with and prayed for. But I really want to encourage you to take advantage of that. I know for some of us, you're newer to faith, and this might be a huge step for you. We're going to be talking about taking a huge step this morning. This sermon series that we're a part of is the idea of taking an opportunity to get real with our lives. To get real. I know that it's very easy in life to simply kind of just move through and that we know that there's things that we really should be taken care of, but for whatever reason, we don't. Our goal this year for everyone who calls City Church their home is that health would be a theme that health would be a theme for 2018, but we won't move towards health unless we get real about where we are at currently. It's important. So we're going to be talking about spiritual health this morning. In the weeks to come, we're going to talk about physical health and financial health. We're going to talk about emotional health and relational health. We're going to cover sort of the full spectrum of health in the life of a follower of Jesus. But again, what I know in my own life is that in order for me to move towards health, I have to get real about where I'm at. Here's the other thing I know about my own life. Almost all the major changes I've ever made in my life have been when someone squared up to me and they challenged me about where I was at and who I was. How many of us have ever experienced that? One of my favorite scriptures in the Older Testament says this, is the wounds of a friend are better than the multiplied kisses of an enemy. The wounds of a friend are more precious than the multiplied kisses of an enemy. And what that references is this, your true friend will square up to you and be honest. And at first, it feels like a wound. But in reality, it's out of love and true friendship that you would get real and move towards health. That's what these sermons are about. And so this sermon series, as we move this morning, we're going to take a look at spiritual health. At spiritual health. And what we're going to do together is we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew. And in reading from Matthew's Gospel, we're going to read in chapter 14... We're going to pick up our reading in verse 22. Now, before we read, though, there are a couple of things that I want to make reference to as far as the context of what we're getting ready to read. I'm aware that many of us here at City maybe have never even read the Gospel of Matthew. There are four Gospels in the Newer Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew is this wonderful Gospel because Matthew is written by an actual disciple of Jesus. The story that we're getting ready to read, Matthew was right there, front row seat, in the boat with Jesus. And the cool thing about the Gospel of Matthew, it is written by Matthew, who is a Jew, and he is writing to other Jews to help them to understand that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. Now, what happens just prior to where we're getting ready to read in Matthew is an incredible miracle. 
Jesus has been looking to get alone, and he can't. He wants to get alone because he's just received the news that John the Baptist, his first cousin, was executed by the Roman government, was just killed, beheaded. And so the Bible tells us that Jesus receives this news, and he makes a move to go to a deserted place, a place of solitude, a place of aloneness. When he moves in that direction, it tells us the crowd finds out where he is, and they go out into this deserted place, and by the time those people are done surrounding Jesus, there are 5,000 men, as well as their family members. Have you ever had that time in your life where you wanted to be alone? You just couldn't get alone? By the way, if you're not yet a parent, get ready. That's coming. You just want to be alone. And those little kids, you don't know where they came from, but they're just around your ankles and clinging to you and just picture Jesus. He is the Son of God. He has stepped into this world. He's the Prince of Peace. He's begun to heal people, and people are broken. There's no peace in their hearts. And they find this guy named Jesus of Nazareth who God is definitively with him. And because God is with him and their hearts are aching and broken and their bodies are hurting, they begin to follow Jesus and they're moving towards him and this crowd amasses around him. And there's a problem. Everyone there is hungry. They've traveled a long way and this is the miracle before what we're getting ready to read. And Jesus is out there in the middle of nowhere. The nearest McDonald's, about a six-hour walk. You imagine Jesus is out there and the people are hungry and the disciples out of compassion say to Jesus, hey, look, these people are getting hungry. I think we need to set them free and let them go home so that they can eat. And Jesus says, no, you feed them. You feed them. Isn't it incredible when we come to God with compassion for other people, God recruits us to do something about it. So God, through Christ, comes to these disciples and says, you feed them. And they say, all we have is this kid's happy meal. It's all we've got. There's nowhere near enough, Jesus. He says, bring me what you have. Listen, when you have compassion for people and you bring Jesus what you have, he will multiply it every single time. And so they bring what they have in compassion to Jesus and he just says, all right, start distributing the food. And by the time they're done, there's a basket full there's a basket full of food for each disciple. It's this kind of in-your-face miracle that God will take your compassion and what you give Him, and He will multiply it beyond your wildest dreams. And the Bible tells us, at the end of that miracle, now we pick up our reading in verse 22 of Matthew 14. Here's what the Gospel, here's what Matthew's letter to us writes. He says, Immediately, so immediately after that miraculous feeding of the 5,000 men and all of their wives and kids, it says immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. And, when he had dis- and, and it says when he dismissed or then or while he dismissed the crowd. So while he's dismissing the crowd, he says to his, his disciples, look, get in the boat, head to the other side. And it said, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. He finally has some alone time. He's finally alone with him, by himself, with his heavenly Father. And all I want to say is this, if Jesus needed time alone with God in prayer, how much more do we? If he needed it, we need it. And so Jesus gets by himself to pray, and it says, later that night, He was there alone. Boy, what a phrase. Jesus finally gets a break. How many of you wish you could have a break like that? Right? So now he's alone, and he's in prayer. And it says, The boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. 
But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. And the most repeated command from God to people in all of Scripture gets repeated again. And what is it? Say it again. What is it? Don't be afraid. And so it says, and they say, Lord, or he, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. In other words, Peter says, I want to play too. And come, Jesus said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Billions of people have prayed those three words in the past 2,000 years. Lord, save me. Lord, help me. And I love what happens next. It says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. And as he pulls him up by his shirt collar, he gets nose to nose with Peter and he says, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed in Gennesaret, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country, and people brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Here comes the crowds again. When we look at this story, I want us this morning to think about the idea of us getting real about where we are at spiritually. Want us to do that. You see, if you notice what I've noticed, Jesus performs this incredible miracle of food. His disciples' minds were no doubt boggled. They each have a basket when they started out with one happy meal. Now they've got one of those huge kind of trays that you get at a fast food restaurant to take to a picnic or a tailgate, and, they're, and they each have one. It's mind-blowing, and Jesus says to them, immediately, he says, get in the boat. And they get in the boat, and as they do, there is a test that Jesus intentionally puts them in. It's a test where they will have to get real about how they see Jesus, and what is their connection to Jesus, and how do they view Jesus by faith. It's almost as though Jesus knows that they're going to sit in the boat and they're going to have to take a survey of their faith. They're going to have to take an inventory of where they're at with him. Because again, things have been going really, really well. But what they don't know is it's not long before popular opinion from Jesus or towards Jesus is going to be turning to the negative. There's going to be a season now that Jesus will move in that will lead him to that cross right there. And Jesus knows it's coming, and he realizes that unless they take stock of their faith and take inventory and take a deep look and get real about how they see him, that things are not going to go well. I want us to do that practically this morning. What's going to happen now is the ushers are going to begin to ush. And what that means is, they've got a very simple survey and some pens. And what I'm going to ask that you would do, and no cheating, no looking on someone else's survey, what we're going to ask that you would do for the next few moments is that you would take this survey, and it's very simple. There are five questions, and each of the five questions deals with a specific area of what it looks like for us to get real and look at our lives and move towards Jesus and take an honest assessment of where we're at. Now, I realize taking a survey in church might not be all that popular. But what I want us to do is get real about where I'm at. And for some of us, as you begin to look at this, the goal is some of these questions you've never thought about before. But we've got them purposefully positioned so that you will have sort of a way of looking at your own life and saying, here's where I'm at when I think about Jesus and following Him. So at this time, 
I want to make sure that everyone's got a survey. If you don't have a survey yet, raise your hand real high. All right, ushers, we got to ush real fast here. Get your ushing going. Now again, we want us to get real. Now as this survey is being handed out, every time I read this Gospel of Matthew account, I had a personal experience that grips me. And in this personal experience, I had with my son. My son and I were out in Colorado. I was part of a theological consortium and we were studying different things about the church. And they said, you can bring one of your children with you. So I brought my son with me to Colorado where this consortium was meeting. While we were in Colorado, I said to Peter, what do you want to do? He said, I'd like to go camping for a couple days. So we extended our trip. We ended up going fishing together. My son loves fishing. It's a passion of his. And so what we did was we got a canoe and I was with a pastor, a friend of mine from Colorado, and we went way up into the Colorado wilderness area and there was a lake that this dirt road went to after miles and miles and it's this lake that sits way up on a plateau in Colorado. We decided we'd go there to fish. So we set up tent and we got in our canoe and my son and I put out onto the lake. We were out there fishing for a great amount of time. And then all of a sudden, my son, who's up front, I'm in the back steering the canoe because I'm a control freak, and my son is up front, and I'm kind of canoeing us around. And also, my son goes, oh, my goodness, Dad, look. And there was this elk fawn that had just been born and was lying right on the edge of the lake. And the mother elk was about 30 yards behind the fawn and was very nervous about us. So we became totally engrossed in this brand new fawn elk, taking pictures of it. We've kind of got our back to the lake. All of a sudden, I can feel the temperature starting to drop. Been about 60 degrees maybe. The lake is about a mile long, and the temperature begins to drop. And I turn over, and I look over my right shoulder, and there are two massive peaks that, are, that make the backside of this lake huge peaks. And as I look back there, I look and the weirdest cloud I've ever seen is moving toward us through this kind of pass in these really high mountains. Now look at that cloud. And I said to Peter, something's not right. And as I said that, this blast of wind hit us and the temperature dropped by about another 35 to 40 degrees, just like that. We were out there in t-shirts I said, Peter, something's wrong. We got to go. And although the wind was not against us like the boat was over here, the wind was on the side of us. And if you've ever canoed, when the wind hits the side, it just constantly drives you. And we're trying to move to the left side of the lake. It's driving us to the right side of the lake. And I looked up and recognized something, that that weird cloud was a blizzard. And what was shocking was, by then, I think the temperature had dropped well over 50 degrees. We were absolutely freezing. And as I looked behind me, there's a wall of snow coming. I looked at my son. I said, we got to paddle for our lives. So we begin to paddle. Now, I don't know how you are, but those are moments when you pray. You don't care who you are. You go, God, if you're up there, give me strength. And we just began paddling and paddling. By the time we got to the shore, there were two inches of snow. And the temperature, we had no winter gear. Hypothermia set in. And our goal was to be real men and to camp. When I got to our tent, I looked at the camper next to us. I said, where's the nearest cabin? He said, right down the mountain. I said, son, get in the car. We're done. <laughs> we left our gear. We left everything. We went down the mountain. We went to that cabin. There was a little sign on the door that said length of showers is limited to 25 seconds. We broke that rule by about an hour each. <laughs> what I wanted to share with you, though, is this. Is if you've ever been on a lake and you're in a boat and the weather turns, it's not a lighthearted thing. It's a scary thing. Now, for the next few moments, I want you to take that survey. Go ahead and take it if you haven't already.
I want us to think about the story that we've read. There's little doubt, and Bible scholars all agree, that the miracle that they've just been through, Jesus moves them into the boat, and it's a season of testing. He's trying to give them the understanding of where they're at with their faith and their trust in Him. Again, this teaching series is about us taking the time to get real about really where we are at as followers of Jesus. I want to bring this story to us in a couple of ways. One of them is this. Some of us have been here at City for a period of time. Maybe this is your first time here this morning, but you've been kind of looking at Jesus from a distance. Here's what I want to encourage you to do to get real about your faith and where you are with Christ. I want to bring an overt challenge you to you this morning to get in the boat, to take that step, and to trust Him. You see, in the Newer Testament, the way things work out is this. Jesus just met people, and He would say, come follow me. Come follow. In full disclosure, I grew up in a church where you had to believe 11 things before you could even think about that. Jesus really didn't. He just interacted with people, and interacting with them, He would say to them, now I want you to come and follow me. And for some of us this morning, I think it's high time that we step into the boat. That we kind of get in there with Jesus and His disciples and we make that choice, that faith commitment that I'm going to follow Jesus. But I want to reference it this way. Being a follower is very different than being a fan. There's a difference. What I have found in life is I meet a lot of people that are a fan of Jesus, but they're not a follower. You see, a fan of Jesus could be someone that can sing the songs. Just kind of picture if you've got a favorite group out there, a favorite artist, some famous entertainer that you love. You know, someone like Barry Manilow. <laughs> or Dave Matthews. Or Don Henley from the Eagles. Because he's amazing. But you've got some entertainer that you're a fan of. And what do you do if you're a fan? You learn their songs. You can sing along. You might watch a documentary about them. I've been an Eagles fan ever since I was a small kid. When the Eagles came to Charlottesville, I went to see them in concert. It was amazing. It's one of the best gifts my wife ever gave me other than herself. Oh, it's Valentine's. <laughs> but if you're a fan, listen, you might even get a bumper sticker. You're going to wear their shirt. You're going to know their songs. You can sing along. And when they begin to play like when the Eagles play, I always want to tell people, oh, it's the Eagles. Best band ever. Don Henley. Guy's amazing. Let me explain something, though. There's a difference between being a fan of Jesus in a follower. You see, a fan could know the music, wear the t-shirts, have a bumper sticker. But a follower of Jesus gets in the boat. A follower of Jesus hears the voice of Christ and responds. There's a huge difference. And as we get real this morning, I want to encourage you that if you have not made that step, that you will. And if you've been part of City Church for a great length of time, but you know you've been holding back, there's something about Jesus when you get real and you step into the boat and you take that first step of faith that what you thought maybe or might be suddenly is. I want to encourage you to do that. Get in the boat. Follow Jesus. It's very personal. It goes way beyond being a fan. Now here's what I believe happens to everyone who gets into the boat. When you finally step into this boat, you're going to discover some things that I have found that have been profoundly true, and it's this. You cannot separate Jesus from his teachings. If you do, they make no sense whatsoever. 
You know, I can sit up here and teach you about Plato. I can teach you about Aristotle. I can tell you, I can teach you some about the philosophical greats. I can teach you about them. But it is impossible for me to teach you about Jesus' teachings without teaching you about him. You can learn all that Plato has and know nothing about Plato. That doesn't work with Jesus. And I feel that at times too many people think you can separate the two. But the problem is, is it does not work. Because when you begin to talk about the teachings of Jesus, he comes with it. And to step into the boat means that I not only take his teachings, but I take him too. They're inseparable. And I want you to notice throughout the Newer Testament that every time a writer writes, they never just write about his teachings, they write about him and what he did and what it looks like when Jesus connects with people from the most sinful to the most self-righteous. It's inseparable. So I want to let you know that if you step into the boat, you get him and not just his teachings. Here's the other thing that I experienced as a preteen boy. I stepped into the boat because I heard Jesus' voice. And I want to say this as plainly as I can. From that day on, there's been someone else in my life, and it's him. I can't explain it other, any way other than that. But when I said yes to Jesus, all of a sudden there was someone else in my life. And it was him. And what I discovered was, is when I took that step and I got into the boat, that Jesus was there with me, and he's been with me ever since. I want every single person to have that experience. Here's why. Too many people talk about getting into the boat because the boat will take you to heaven. I don't talk about Jesus so that people can get to heaven. I talk about Jesus because we need him right now. Life is miserable in so many ways unless you have him with you. Does he guarantee me heaven? Absolutely. Do I want everyone in heaven? Absolutely. But we need him right here and right now. And so to step into the boat is something that's important. It's extremely, extremely important. So I want to encourage you to do that. Here's the other thing that I noticed in my life when I finally stepped into the boat. Man, I've been nibbling around the tent of Jesus long enough. It came time for me to kind of, as they say, you put your nose into the tent. It became time. And I remember walking into that tent, and here's what happened to me. My life changed. It was the strangest thing. I found that all of a sudden, people that I didn't like, I kind of started to love them. I found that there were certain perspectives that I had that began to change and be transformed. You see, again, you don't get Jesus' teachings without him. And when you begin to move towards his teachings and the gospel of Christ, all of a sudden there's this life transformation that begins to happen. Now listen. There's another way to look at this story of the disciples out in the water in the boat and the wind is against them. And if you read it accurately, you kind of get the sense they're not making any headway at all. They're out there rowing and they're fishermen and they've been out there all night long and they still, because of the wind and the waves and the opposition, they've not been able to get to the shore. Here's what I can promise you. Here's another accurate reading of this story. I can promise you that we have people here in this auditorium, you are in the boat of life, and you're exhausted, you're wore out, you're tired. Let me explain something to you. That's when many people often come to Jesus. Many. But I want you to notice in this story, it's very profound. The disciples are out there in the boat they're straining at the oars. They're not making any headway at all. And they see Jesus and they declare him to be a what? A ghost. Oh my goodness, it's a ghost. Here's what needs to happen for some of us in our faith perspective towards Jesus. Life has become a struggle for you. 
You're lacking peace. You're facing things that you would have never signed up for. I want to encourage you, Jesus is way more than a ghost. He is way more than an aberration of your imagination. Jesus is the Son of God. And if you are struggling in life, I want to encourage you to get real with Jesus. Take that step. Move towards Him. Open up your heart to Him. Open up your life to Him. I believe it's time. It's time for some of us to take that step towards Christ. I've heard some crazy things about what people believe about Jesus. I'll never forget talking to one guy about Jesus and what he, you know what he told me? He said he believed Jesus was a Martian that had landed. I expected him to crack a smile and he never did. He was absolutely serious. And I said, how do you get that? And he began to ramble on about a few things. And I said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't you begin to read the book of John? Find out what Jesus' best friend had to say about him. Why don't you read the writings of the people that knew him and loved him and got into the boat with him? Why don't you read those? Get the accurate perspective and Jesus will shift from being a ghost or a Martian to where you too will at least conceptually understand that these people that knew Jesus are presenting him as the Son of God. He's the Son of God. Now, let's look at Peter. Second best name in all of the Newer Testament. What happens? For some of us, if we get real, we clearly understand that we've been in the boat with Jesus for a long time. You might be able to count, maybe you don't have enough fingers to even count the number of years you've walked with Christ and you've been in the boat with Him. You know He's not a ghost, you believe He's the Son of God, you put your faith, hope, and trust in Him, but here's the truth, you've been sitting in the boat and you know that Christ has more for you than what you've got up until this point. You really haven't looked at your spiritual life and said, okay, I need to take this thing seriously. That's what I love about Peter. Peter looks at who Jesus is, he sees him on the water, and he says to Jesus, if you really are Jesus, please call me to you. I love that. There's something about Christ. He's waiting for you to ask him to call you to him so that you can take that next step in him. Some of us have spent way too long just hanging out in the boat. And I love what Peter does. He says to Jesus, look, if you'll call me, I'm going to walk to you. Peter's faith gets real really fast. Now, I know that a lot of people look at this story and say, yep, but he failed. Not at first. In fact, he's the only person in all of antiquity that can say, I walked on the water. He made it Maybe five yards, ten yards, we don't know. But he made it. He was able to walk on the water. And in doing so, what we all intuitively understand is that somehow, some way, Peter, at the beginning of that journey, had to face his fear. Because every fisherman knows you never step out of the boat, not in the middle of the lake. Cost you your life. For some of us, Getting real with Jesus this morning means that you're going to have to begin to face some of your fear. That fear has kept you seated in the boat for far too long. But you've got a dream in Christ. You've sensed Him calling you. You've sensed that God has more for you. And this morning, I want to encourage you to get real with that and say, okay, Jesus, if it's really real that you're calling me, I'm going to face my fears. I'm going to get out of the boat and I'll step towards you in the midst of those. What a profound thought that that is. And for others of us, I want to say this very, very simply, that our faith experience with Jesus seems like it's kind of humdrum. Let me tell you what, if you'll ask Jesus where you need to step next, you'll find a liveliness to your faith like you could have never experienced. 
You might even be positioned by God in such a place where the only words that can come out of your mouth is, Lord, save me. And he will. He won't let you sink. He won't let you drown. But Peter has that experience with Christ that is absolutely unique anywhere in the Scriptures. He's the one that steps out and he overcomes his fear and he walks towards Jesus. Now I want you to hold up the survey that you've taken. Can you hold it up for me? Thank you. This is the only time we're ever going to do this. But at this time, the ushers are going to ush again. And we want your survey. This is the only time we're going to do it. There will be three more surveys over the next three weeks. Can you just pass them to the ends? And here's why I'm asking you to do this. If you really don't want us to read it, you can hide it. If you put your name on it, just rip your name off. Because we, as the pastoral team here at City Church, want to help you to get real with Jesus. We want to have the opportunity to look at where everyone's at here at City. And we want to be able to serve you and to help you as you move towards get, having health spiritually in your life. So I'm going to ask that you would pass those to the ushers. It's going to be a huge help to us if you would give us this kindness. I don't want you to be ashamed of anything you wrote on that piece of paper. I don't want you to feel bummed out about it, but I want you to just kind of get real with where you're at and you handing those in to us is a huge, huge help. We're going to help you. We're going to serve you in the midst of this. Now, as I look at this story of Peter and the disciples in the boat, there's a couple of thoughts that have come to my mind, and they're this. In the Newer Testament, no other disciple ever tries to walk on the water. You know what that tells me? Is the point of this story is not so that you and I can step out of some actual physical boat and try to walk on the water like Peter did. It was not a spiritual gift that's listed in the book of Corinthians. Walking on the water is a spiritual gift. Nope, not there. No one else in the Newer Testament tries to do it either. You know what that tells me? Is this is a story that challenges us to spiritually make a move towards Jesus. That's the purpose of the story. And it's clear to me that the first century church and beyond has always looked at this story as a story that challenges their faith as followers of Jesus. So as I think about getting real spiritually, here's a couple of thoughts that I have. First of all, please put feet to your faith. There is nothing like beginning to respond to what you feel Christ is calling you to do. There's nothing like going to the walls for prayer on a Sunday morning. There's nothing like meeting a friend of yours at work by the water cooler and sitting down with them because you're burdened for their life, you're burdened for their heart, you're burdened for what they're going through, and you've got the story of Jesus, and all you have to do is sit down and share with them what God's done in your life. When we put feet to our faith, it's amazing how real God becomes and how much brighter the light of our faith becomes. Here's another thing I want to encourage you to do is be honest with where you're at with Christ. Be honest. Get real. The other thing I want to encourage you to do is that every week we send out an email in preparation for Sunday mornings. If you're not on the email list, please get on the list. In that email, I'll put down the text that I'm going to preach from on Sunday. It'll come to your inbox on Friday or Saturday. Right there, you can literally read ahead and know what I'm going to preach from. Not only that, Rebecca and the worship team put together some the videos of all the worship songs that they'll be doing on Sunday morning. So in preparation for a Sunday morning, you can read the text. You can already have worshipped with and worshipped through the songs we'll be worshipping with on Sunday morning. We do that because I believe that'll help us be prepared for whatever it is that God wants to do when we gather together. The other thing that we offer here at City Church to help us is we have this daily devotional called Word for the Day. We buy them and give them away for free. My wife gathers about a dozen of those and she mails them to people all over the country 
every time we get them, family members of hers that she's trying to encourage in a walk with Christ. We'd encourage you to do that as well. But what I'm getting at is there are practical things that we can do to get up, get in that boat, and then step out and get moving with Christ. There are things that we can do. The other thought I have is this. What is that Apostle Peter-like prayer that you would like to ask Jesus to do in your life? What is that prayer? Peter's request was that he could get out of the boat and walk on the water. What's yours? What's that dream that you know you can only fulfill if Christ somehow, some way, meets you in the midst of that dream? What's the request you have of Christ? I think for some of us, we've kind of backed off of prayer and asking God to do amazing things. But I believe that I serve a God. And I've experienced in my own life what it's like to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm stuck. I'm in the boat. I'm straining at the oars. And this isn't, I believe, God's best from you to me. So Jesus, I'm going to ask you, would you please help me in this area? Because I feel stuck. I feel stunted. And I feel like I need you somehow, some way to meet me as I pray and begin to step towards you. I want to thank you again for filling out those surveys. I give you my word that the next three surveys you'll be taking, they're going to be just for you. But as the lead pastor here at City, along with the pastoral team, we want to make sure that we have an accurate picture of where we're at and we're here to serve you and empower you and to help you as you get real with Christ spiritually. So thank you for doing that for us. It's going to be a huge help. Now what I'm going to ask that you would do is that you would stand with me. And before we begin to worship, I think for us it's time to get real. Would you close your eyes? Or if it's more beneficial, if you would look at the cross upon stage. I give you my word. Jesus is not a ghost. He's the Son of God. He is powerful to save. He is powerful to redeem. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the Word become flesh. He is the God-man that came to walk among us so that we would not be kept captive in and of ourselves. That Jesus Christ went to that cross. They thought they'd done away with Him. The ghost is dead. But on the third day, He was raised victoriously to new life. And this world has never been the same, ever. What will you do with Jesus? This morning, will you accept him? Will you listen to his voice and become a follower and get in the boat? Would you do that? As we close our eyes now, but keep our hearts open. If you're here today and you know that you need Jesus, you know that this morning God's working on your heart and this morning's the morning that you are being called. You can hear His voice. He's saying, come on, step into the boat. And you want to respond to Jesus. No one's looking around. I'm just going to ask that you would raise your hand saying, you know what, that's me. It's me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. You're just going to raise your hand saying, yep, there's hands going up around this auditorium. I want to pray with you and pray for you. Let me pray. Jesus, for those of us that felt the call of God to raise our hand, I pray that each one of those men and each one of those women would now by faith accept you for who you are. That they would step into the boat with you, Lord Jesus. And in the midst of that, they would come to you with all of their sin all of their dysfunction, all of their brokenness, all of the areas of life in which they need healing, and they would step into the boat with you and you love them just as they are, but you love them too much to leave them the same. So as they bring all of this stuff to you, 
I pray, Jesus, again, just like you do in the Gospels, that you would wrap your love around them, that you would bring forgiveness to each one of these ladies, that you would bring forgiveness to each one of these men, and that each person that now stands before you for the first time and steps into the boat would find salvation and redemption and that they would find what I discovered and that is that there's a new person in their life that everywhere they go you are with them bringing peace and correction and direction and strength. Heavenly Father, let that happen. And now for those of us who've been in the boat with Jesus for some time, want us all to close our eyes again. But you've been in the boat with Jesus for a long time. And this morning, God is generating a prayer in your heart. It's similar to Peter's where he looks at Jesus and says, if you really are who you say you are, call me to you. Call me, Jesus. I want to hear your voice and then I'll step towards you. If you're here and you've got a prayer that's boiling in your soul, you're tired of struggling at the oars and you know it needs to be done differently. If that's you, I want to encourage you right now saying, you know what? Yep, that's me. I've got a prayer that I want to pray to Jesus. I want you to put a hand to your faith by just kind of raising your hand in this moment saying, yep, that's me. I know that Jesus is calling me to stand up and to step out of the boat and move towards Him. Just raise your hand. Jesus, I pray over all of us that have a hand raised. God, as we lift our hand into your presence, I pray that you would hear the cry of our hearts and that as we now put feet to our faith and we step out of the place where we've been and we begin to ask you this prayer that, Lord, you would do these things, that Jesus, spiritually in our lives, you would do something relationally, economically, with job search, whatever it might be, Lord, we bring it to you. And God, we're tired of struggling at the oars. And so, Jesus, we come to you and we face our fears. We put our lives in your care and in your keeping. We make that faith choice to step out of the boat, to walk towards you. Jesus, I want to thank you for every person that raised a hand whether it was to step into the boat with you for the first time or now to step out of the boat to pursue you and to be obedient to your calling and to follow you more deeply. Lord, wherever we're at, I thank you that if fear comes in again and we say, Jesus, save me, that you will always grab us, that you will always keep us. And I thank you for that. Let's take just a few moments to worship together and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to seal the prayers that we've prayed. Let's worship Him. From the grave he is risen 
time the prayer team is going to begin to come forward if you would like someone to pray with you and to pray for you they'll be down front and on the sides prepared to meet with you in the midst of your need but if you don't need to come forward for prayer for that I want to encourage you to take the next few moments just to spend time in worship to take some time to open up your heart to the Lord and allow him to seal the prayers that you've been praying by his spirit Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're not a ghost, but you truly are the son of the living God. Meet each one of us in a profound way. And now, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he bless you with his grace and his peace in his voice which will allow you to step out of the boat and follow him and we pray all of this in jesus name in christ's name we pray amen and amen please remain in an attitude of worship and when your heart is full you can slip out quietly god bless you we
welcome you into this place.
thank you for being in our midst. Thank you for being in this place. Lord, I pray that you would be with us as we go from this place. Lord, that your presence would be with us. We love you, Jesus.